Today's episode of Freemans Playlist is sponsored by Anchor. Stay tuned to find out more. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 6 of Primem's Playlist. My name is Prim, and as usual, I'll be analyzing some underrated K-pop tunes and recommending them based on the songs you already know. But before we start, I have an announcement. I'm moving to college very soon, so I'm going to be super busy with packing, safely commuting, and starting classes. So I'm actually going to change this podcast's upload schedule. From now on, instead of posting every Sunday, I'll be posting every other Sunday. So, no episode next week. But enough about next episode, let's talk about this episode. Despite the scheduling impact, going off to college is an event that should be celebrated. So we're going to celebrate it today. Plus, because of the upload schedule change, I want to count this episode as a season finale to like a pilot mini-season, if that makes sense. So, instead of the usual 5 songs this episode, I'm going to be covering 10. Also, there was way more great music than usual this week, and I needed an excuse to cover some extra songs. So go get yourself some snacks, get comfy, and get ready for the longest episode of Primem's Playlist yet. Without any further ado, let's pull up the playlist. Currently at 17,000 views on 1 The K, our first song today is You Were Really Not Good by soloist Hetty. Hetty has actually collaborated with Ailee before, so you already know her voice is going to be amazing. So we're actually going to focus more on the instrumental. Much of this song's instrumental is based around low, quiet synths that almost make you feel like you're underwater, broken up by the quick, higher-pitched beats of what sounds like a tambourine. It quickly picks up energy at the chorus, though, adding more layers of dramatic drums and, oddly enough, a low, rhythmic brass sting. This kind of brass sting is most often heard in more, like, badass EDM music, so it's a strange choice for a ballad. However, I think it actually fits quite well. When combined with the ballad's faster-than-usual tempo, it adds a bit of an angry feel while not completely compromising the ballad's more traditionally sad tones. It's both sad and mad. It's mad. My first instinct was to compare this song to Home by Yezzy. A combination of low, watery tones and higher-pitched percussion can be found in both songs, though Home has more of an EDM vibe while You Were Really Not Good is closer to a traditional-style ballad. I think that the concept of a smad-toned ballad in general, however, is more comparable to Come Back Home by 21, excluding the beat drop, of course. Even though the instrumental is completely different, it carries the same smad attitude, especially in the chorus. So if you love Home's instrumental and Come Back Home's vocals, take a look at You Were Really Not Good. What's the next song? Song number two today is Light Department by an artist named Stee coming in at 1,200 views on Super Sound Bugs. Or at least I think it's called Light Department. It's abbreviated, so it might be Light Depot. Right away, this song is very unconventional. We start off with sampled alarm clock fully, then go into relaxing piano and cut-up voices, which are then quickly replaced by a playful pizzicato loop and halftime drums. Although these sections individually give off very different vibes, a lot of these aspects actually blend together really nicely later on, with the piano and drums combining in the pre-chorus and the cut-up voices returning on top of rhythmic synths in the chorus. Speaking of the chorus, though she isn't mentioned in the title of the video, a singer named Swan actually joins in, complimenting Stee's higher-pitched voice with her own. All in all, this song has a very fresh and clean tone. A little energetic and playful, but still relaxing. 
Between the halftime tempo, chopped up voices, and that synth in the chorus, Light Department reminds me a lot of I Just by Red Velvet. Actually, to be completely honest, it reminds me of a mashup I made using I Just, since my mashup also adds in some piano from a song called I Think I Just Died by a producer named Guiano. Also, I'm getting some mild Home by Seventeen vibes, though I can't really place why. So, if you're looking for something along the lines of I Just and Home, or just want something fresh sounding, I'd recommend Light Department. Song number three, please. At 29k views on 1thek, here's Myung Hoon is going by singer Chun Myung Hoon. This song starts out with what appears to be traditional Korean instrument samples before transitioning into a more electronic style, introducing an almost spy-like movie brass melody and a particular piece of percussion that almost sounds like popping bubbles. Apparently this song is in a genre called trot, which is actually a style I covered in episode 1 of this podcast. Part of what makes trot trot is the specific kind of vocal inflection that Chun Myung Hoon really leans into in this song. It's hard to describe, but it involves sliding around a lot between notes and a lot of vibrato. Combined with the very upbeat instrumental, literally it emphasizes each upbeat, it makes for a very fun song. Most of the comments on this song compare it to Daewichita by August D, and I can see why. Both make use of traditional Korean instruments that are then blended into a more modern style. For once, this isn't just speculation. Chun Myung Hoon has actually stated himself that this song was inspired by Daewichita. He did make sure to implement his own style though, as while Daewichita transitions from traditional Korean instruments to rap, Myung Hoon is going transitions instead to trot. It would be cheating to just leave my recommendation at one song already suggested by the artist himself, so I will also say that the literally upbeat rhythm of the instrumental combined with the brass instruments are reminiscent of BAM by Momoland. Even though the brass is less electro swing and more spy movie, I think the comparison still fits. So if you love the traditional instruments of Daewichita and the upbeat brassiness of BAM, or if you just enjoy a good trot song, you'll get a kick out of Myung Hoon is Going. How about song number 4? Our fifth song this episode is Sarangi Babo, which means Fool of Love, by indie rock band The Nuts, currently at just 336 views on Ogam Entertainment. I would say this starts out as a pretty standard soft rock. You've got guitar, bass, drums, and a voice. Interestingly though, they've also added in a high-pitched synth chime, most prominently immediately after the chorus and some of the lower-pitched percussion sounds electronic as well. Additionally, I really like the way the song picks up energy around the second verse, adding in a mildly overdriven guitar, and even expanding that to a guitar solo later on. And it also adds in some female voices harmonizing with the primarily male vocals. All in all, it's a nice blend of acoustic, electric, and electronic. The combination of different rock vibes with more electronic elements in Saorangi Baba reminds me a bit of groups like Day6 and The Rose. More specifically, in terms of general vibe, it starts out kind of halfway between All Alone and Beautiful Feeling, both by Day6, and later adds in a little bit of Take Me Down by The Rose. Plus, these bands will sometimes add more electronic elements into their rock, like in The Rose's song Red. So if you're a fan of either of these bands, you may enjoy Saorangi Baba. Next song, please. Garnering 16,500 views on 1thek, here we've got Homework by an artist named Sogi. 
This is a nice calm song, starting out with just an acoustic guitar and Sogi's voice, even though the percussion is made by slapping the guitar strings. In the first chorus though, the song adds in some kind of shaken percussion, it might be a maraca, and a triangle. Then later on, a bass kick. Essentially, this song just keeps adding more and more instrumental layers while still keeping Sogi's voice front and center via balance mixing and an interesting vocal melody and rhythm. Though it strips away much of the instrumental it builds up during the bridge, even slowing the tempo of the song itself, the energy comes back tenfold in the final chorus, adding an electric guitar and drum kit. You know, at first I was put off by the sudden instrumental change, but the more I listen to it, the more I like it. After all, the point of a final chorus is to be the climax. I am going to challenge myself to not compare homework to anything by Stella Jang because, let's be honest, I kinda default to her anytime I hear a woman singing with an acoustic guitar. To be fair though, it's hard to find other pieces that are simultaneously this minimalist and this upbeat. The best I can think of off the top of my head is the official acoustic version of Vivid by Heijin from Luna, as it keeps a similar feel to the original version of the song while paring down the instrumental. And even though the guitar and rhythm is different, the melody of homework kind of reminds me of the melody of Hope Not by Blackpink, just in the way it uses, you know, notes and scales and stuff. And then that final chorus instrumental, it's almost like Zombie by Day 6. So if you're a fan of any of these three songs, especially the acoustic version of Vivid, definitely check out Homework. Before we continue, let's hear about today's sponsor. Today we're sponsored by Anchor, the very same service we use to make this podcast. Let me tell you, Anchor is unrivaled in its accessibility. Anchor lets you make your own podcast from scratch, right from your computer, or even your phone. You can record yourself in browser, add stock music from Anchor's own library, and even make simple edits. Or, if you prefer to record and edit in a more familiar application, Anchor also allows you to upload audio straight from your computer. Anchor can also handle some of the more intimidating aspects of podcasting for you. For example, it can automatically distribute your podcast to platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and it can even link you up with sponsors. What's craziest about Anchor to me, though, is that it's absolutely free. All these tools, all these functions, and they don't even cost a penny. So, if you have a great idea for a podcast but don't know where to start, I'd highly recommend using Anchor. It's easy, versatile, and free. Let's get back to the playlist! Alright, coming in at 2300 views on Genie Music, here we have Sono Jango Gogoyo Walk, which loosely translates to Hold Your Hand and Walk, by a band named Chomyo. I love the calm 80s city popish vibe this song brings. Subdued bass and chords, electronic drums, and occasional high sparkling synth. In fact, I think the instrumental is actually more subdued than city pop usually is, adding an almost soft rock feel to it. It really blends well with the main vocalist's high cute voice, a recurring staple of the city pop genre. As the song goes on, the instrumental becomes a bit less subdued, even including a guitar riff at one point. My only real complaint about this song is that it ends kind of abruptly. I'm used to this genre having a more finished ending, or at least using a fade out. But other than that, it's a pretty relaxing city pop meets soft rock fusion. Obviously, I cannot talk about city pop inspired K-pop without talking about Yukika. 
Though Yakika usually sticks to slightly more energetic city pop, the song Cherry's Jubiles, Jubiles, I, I still don't know how to pronounce it, but it's a pretty close match. Where Are You by CLC is also even more similar in tone, actually, though the tempo is way slower. Same goes for Every Day I Need You by Vivi and Soul from Luna, which is just a calmer, slower version of Every Day I Love You by Vivi and Hustle from the same group. Basically, if you're looking for some city pop and you want something on the calm side, give Sono Jago Gogoyo Walk a try. How about song number 7? Number 7 on the list, with about 645 views on Magic Strawberry Sound, this is 205 by composer and sound designer Rainbow99. This is probably the most unique song I've got for y'all this week. It's over 7 minutes of Rainbow 99, seemingly freestyling a melody, don't quote me on that, I don't know if it's actually freestyled, over a variety of synthy background music loops. The specific instruments used all give off a strong chiptune vibe, and between that and the fluid rhythm, the song almost feels like an underwater level theme from a video game. What struck me the most about this song is that no matter how the background loop changes, the melody almost always uses the same synth, tying the whole song together. That isn't to say the melody doesn't change, though. While the beginning starts off with slow single notes, Rainbow 99 layers in harmony and faster rhythms throughout, at certain points utilizing glissandos so fast that when used with this synth, they almost sound like a laser gun firing. It can get seriously grungy. I will warn you though, it's an entirely instrumental song, so no vocals, and because the melody is freestyled as far as I know, the rhythm is sometimes a little off-rhythm, or choppy, or gratingly high-pitched. It's definitely not everyone's cup of tea, but given how interesting it is to listen to, it's gotta be someone's cup of tea. This song is a bit tricky to come up with recommendations for because it's so far removed from most music I usually listen to or cover on this podcast. Honestly, I can't really think of anything that quite matches 205's experimentalness. So the best I can do is build off of the chiptune aspect of this and say that if you'd like to listen to those 8-bit K-pop remixes, but you want something a little weirder, you might want to check out 205. Next song, please. Garnering just about a thousand views on Ogam Entertainment, here's Coco Girl by R&B artist Billion. That's billion with a two replacing the second eye. Right away, I can hear some serious tropical vibes in this song. I think it's the combination of the steel drum-esque and voice-like synths combined with that one rough, hollow-sounding bit of percussion. However, in terms of genre, it's not 100% tropical house. There's definitely a little bit of trap mixed in there, given the hi-hat rolls and occasional halftime tempo. And heck, the snare at times even sounds slightly lo-fi inspired. It really feels like a fusion of multiple music styles that have been popular in K-pop recently, though the balance is definitely weighed heaviest towards Tropical House. With that in mind, if you like pretty much any Tropical House, you'll enjoy this song. So pretty much anything by Winner, especially Island fits well, Ola Ola by Card, or Summer by TXT, and Paradise by GOT7, they're all pretty close too. For a western pop connection, my friend recently introduced me to Tangerine by a band called Glass Animals that has a few similarities, mostly in terms of the non-tropical house inspirations in Coco Girl. I mean, I don't really know what y'all want from me. If you like tropical house in general, you'll like Coco Girl. Let's move on to song number 9. 
Our ninth song today is Red Light by producer J-Dope featuring R&B singer-songwriter Niea, coming in at 2.9k views on Stone Music Entertainment. This song starts off so mysterious and spooky, with distorted voices making up most of the chords, punctuated by an echoey metallic bit of percussion. Once Niea's voice comes in though, the percussion becomes more trap-inspired, adding in hi-hat rolls and a more traditional snare. Not that the spooky elements disappear though, the distorted voices are still heavily featured, even becoming more so later on, and the metallic percussion comes in every so often to catch you off guard. Also, I just gotta say, Niea is the perfect choice for this song's vocalist. She handles the complicated vocal rhythm and more ad-lib-esque elements perfectly. In all, a unique and haunting take on R&B. Honestly, Red Light sounds less like any current K-pop songs and more like what I thought certain current K-pop songs were going to sound like based on their teasers. Like, this would match up perfectly with the teasers for Oh My God by G-Idol, or even more closely, the Two Shadows teaser for Red Velvet's Irene and Sulgi subunit. Fantasy by Vix also kind of fits in terms of general vibes, since it mixes some background chorus elements with trap percussion, but it really only fits in terms of its intro and verses, and even then you have to ignore the piano. Really, Red Light is a uniquely dark and creepy R&B tune that you just kind of have to listen to yourself to judge. But hey, if you're into dark concepts a la G-Idol, Vix, and Irene and Silky, you'll probably judge Red Light quite well. Last song, please. At 26k views on Stone Music Entertainment, our last song today is Juliana, a collaboration between singer Kim Bum Soo and New Jack Swing producer Kieran. New Jack Swing, according to Wikipedia, is a style of music making use of hip-hop-style drum machines, samplers, and synthesizers in the instrumental, as well as including rap, but then it adds in a melody and vocal style heavily reminiscent of R&B. In my experience looking up New Jack Swing songs for comparison, which we'll get to later, don't worry, common elements of this genre are a swung tempo, strong percussion layered with syncopated synths, and soulful ad-libs in certain sections of the song. Now, Juliana fits this description to a T, but also adds in some of its own flair, most notably how it layers distorted rap lines under longer sung notes, essentially shoving the rap to the back and turning it into a rhythmic part of the instrumental rather than a vocal line. And I just have to note real quick, Kim Bum Soo's voice fits this style perfectly, being soulful enough to fit with the R&B influence of this genre without dragging behind the song's fast tempo. As I said before, I had to look up a lot of New Jack Swing songs in order to get a feel for this genre. It turns out that this genre comes up a lot in K-pop, being performed by anyone from Exit to EXO. One particularly nice match I found was Destiny by Lovelies, since it leaned into the dramatic R&B side of New Jack Swing, just like Juliana. But the most similar song I found has got to be One of One by Shiny. Everything from the vocal melody to the percussion style to the little bits of harmony are comparable. Definitely, if you like One of One by Shiny, you'll absolutely love Juliana. And that finishes up our 10 songs this week. Fun fact about this podcast, when I was first working on this podcast's format, I was originally planning to include 10 songs every episode. I'm very glad I decided to stick to 5 because putting the script together was an absolute force. But as usual, even though we've done so many songs so far, we aren't done yet. We still have to spin the wheel of segments. 
and this week's segment is Melting Down Gold. By now, you know the drill. I find underrated stuff, and I tell you about it. But at some point we have to ask ourselves, what makes some songs more popular than others? Of course, the artist's popularity has to do with it, but sometimes two songs released by the same artist can become wildly different in popularity. So, in this segment, I'm going to choose the most popular song by a given artist and analyze it to find what made it click with fans. I'll also take a look at the marketing behind the song. After all, the purpose of marketing is to make something popular. This is actually kind of the perfect segment for this pre-college celebration since I'm going to major in marketing communications. Keep in mind though, I haven't started my classes yet, so take my marketing analysis with a grain of salt. This is going to be our longest segment yet, so pause now and go refill your popcorn. Alright, good? Let's start. Today's pick is DNA by the superstar group BTS, which currently has over a billion views on big hit labels. Right away, we're hit with acoustic guitar, a thumping bass, and the iconic whistling line. The whistling contrasts well with each member's voice, as at least during the first verse, everyone is singing in a lower, deeper register. This song is one of those songs where the chorus is actually more like a second pre-chorus, continuing the build-up to the instrumental or drop or whatever you want to call it. And when it happens, the song completely throws out the more acoustic elements and transitions into full EDM before snapping back to its original style for the second verse. Now let's talk about the marketing. I'm not even gonna talk about the teasers because while they definitely do their job, there's a particular event I want to talk about that definitely had a much larger impact on this song's popularity. In short, this song was the first ever song by a Korean boy group to appear in the American Music Awards, a literally historic moment for both the ceremony and the K-pop industry. DNA's music video was uploaded on September 18th, 2017, and the earliest articles I could find on their AMA performance were from September 19th, 2017. A huge number of people were likely introduced to DNA through the American Music Awards performance, decided to look up the song online, and thus gave that MV an extra influx of views the day after its usual surge of views from diehard fans. And you know what YouTube does to videos that get a lot of views very quickly? It puts them into more people's recommended feeds, causing it to get even more views even more quickly. And while I could go into a rant about how YouTube's algorithm causes what is essentially the view count version of the rich get richer, I think that it's more important to look at the impact something like this would have on the West's, especially America's, perception of K-pop. While obviously K-pop already had a lot of popularity in the West before this point, otherwise BTS wouldn't have been invited to be AMAs, most of one's exposure to K-pop would have been through already K-pop-centric sources directed towards people who were already fans of K-pop. But at this performance at the American Music Awards, 9.2 million viewers, according to Variety.com, many from the former category, would have been exposed to K-pop in a serious and dignified light, rather than as something to make fun of. You know, as much as Psy did to popularize K-pop in the West, the West took him in less as a musician and more as a meme. I can't claim to know how Psy wanted to be seen, so I can't say whether this hurt him personally or not, but it certainly made it hard for K-pop in general to be taken seriously over here. So a K-pop group performing Korean music in a major American music ceremony, a setting meant to be taken seriously, 
both is and caused a leap forward in the Western perception of this genre. And while I have my grievances towards the YouTube algorithm's inclination to make the popular more popular, I can't deny that DNA's insane view count is more so a symptom of a shift in how we see K-pop as a whole. And with that, we end Season 1 of Primm's Playlist. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the original songs at bit.ly slash pmpep6. That's bit.ly slash capital PMP underscore lowercase ep underscore six the number. And if you'd like to support this podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you really want to go above and beyond, donate to our Patreon page for special perks. Links to those can be found at linktree slash prims playlist. That's linktr.ee slash p-r-i-m-m-s-p-l-a-y-l-i-s-t. Our podcast is a proud member of Studio 16. If you enjoy our podcasts, support us for free by joining our Discord server at discord.gg slash 6, capital R, lowercase xw, capital mg, lowercase f. To learn more, visit studio16network.wixsite.com. That's lowercase studio, 16 as in the number, lowercase network.wixsite.com. Remember, we're moving to a new upload schedule, so no new episode till the 30th. Thanks for jamming with me today.